Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you for your goodness in our lives and God for baptisms and for families and for just all the things you're doing. Lord, it's wonderful. We thank you that we get to be a part of it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, today we're talking about uh, how to live when the end is near. Uh, specifically, uh, how many of you sometimes think about, talk about, wonder about, uh, secretly or uh, publicly fear about, like, what is happening in the world? Like, maybe everything's coming to an end. There's, like, World War Three. there's uh, all these things going on, there's Mark of the Beast, there's a rapture, there's, I mean, all, like, you can think of all these things, and it, you see it on Facebook, you hear it in conversations, like, oh my gosh, everything's coming to an end, and I'm not going to tell you that it's not, maybe it is, but we're going to talk about how do you live if the end is near, and this is part of, believe it or not, of our whole month that we're spending on receiving, because we talked last month about giving and testing God, and then this month we're talking about receiving blessings from heaven. One of the things that we actually receive from heaven is clarity and peace even when things are coming to an end, no matter if they're eternal, coming to full in our community, in our family, at a job, whatever the scenario might be when something's coming to an end that we actually can live with clarity and with peace. That's one of the things that God gives us from heaven. We don't have to live in fear or anxiety. So I'm going to get into that word, but first I want to do two quick things. Um, and that is that I want to uh, show a, a slide real quick of a couple that we have helped as a church, whether you know it or not. Some of you do, some of you don't. But as a whole church that we have actually helped plant in Bessemer, uh, Alabama. And that is uh, Daisy and Julian. And they are right here. So they are launching in November, on November 19th. And so how have you played a role? Some of you have actually hosted them when they came to conferences here. They've been trying to plant a church for about a year and a half. There. They moved from Washington over uh, but our church has helped in many ways through coaching, through supporting them, by uh, giving them places to stay, by giving them uh, opportunities to come to conferences here, uh, people befriending them. I mean, there's been many ways, but everything going on at the church, some of y'all's testimonies have helped keep them inspired because they moved from Washington to Alabama and with nobody starting a church that God sent them over there to start. And they have had all kinds of things, a death in the family. She's had to have a hip surgery. I mean, they've gone through all kinds of stuff in getting this off the ground. They are finally launching on November 19th. And so I wanted to share that with you because I was actually talking to somebody else about it. And some of you have been more personally involved, but even people who give or people who have, uh, you know, just lived your life well enough that I can share your stories with them over the last year and a half as you've gone through struggles. This church has helped them. Um, and they would not be, I actually had a conversation with her on the phone a couple weeks ago. And she's like, you know, we really would, I don't think we would have gotten this done. Uh, we'd be doing this. And they're launching on the 19th. And so uh, we're going to actually have a few people uh, go there and surprise them, hopefully, and actually be there for their launch and to go there and just to be a blessing to them. Uh, but this is something that's happening. We're actually involved with a lot of church plants, uh, but I wanted to highlight that and show you guys. And then the other one is uh, Jacob Boker, uh, who is here somewhere. I saw him, I thought. Is he not in the room right now? Okay, he's not. He what? I thought I saw him. Okay, I'll still show this. Uh, we were going to uh, pray over him. I don't know what got him uh, pulled out, but uh, he is actually writing a kid's curriculum right now uh, for churches, and he's here, and uh, we're actually doing a demo night of this on Wednesday with videos and with uh, actual kids present. He's writing. I said, well, how will it actually work with kids? We're going to do a test thing and throw a bunch of kids in here, and you're actually going to run this. But videos and with uh, curriculum and with worksheets and, I mean, the whole thing that he's putting together. And so uh, we just want to pray over that, even though he didn't make it, it looks like this morning. I don't know what had him out, but let's pray over him. I know that they had a death uh, 
And they've had also had uh, somebody that, in the family that had gone uh, missing for a few days uh, that came back earlier last week. So there's been a bit going on. But let's pray over them. And I want to show the next picture because this is involving more people in the church. And I just think it would be great to throw this up there. Uh, where is she at? She's with kids and toddlers, of course. So if you see Brooke, tell her you saw her as an uh, ancient Bible character. Uh, but they're making their own videos. They're putting this together. And I just think it's great when people are using their gifts to allow God to touch their lives and to actually work through them in the church. So let's pray real quick for Jacob and his uh, team that's putting this curriculum together, that God would just be with them, give them wisdom and direction. Father, we pray over them right now. Lord, I ask that you would uh, be a blessing to them, Lord, by giving them wisdom. Lord, give them uh, unity as a team. Lord, give them direction in how to put things together. And that, God, you'd bless and give favor to, Lord, the work they're putting in to help kids understand your word. Lord, help kids understand who you are. Lord, even the, the acting and the videos and the uh, books, Lord, all the things that they're doing. God, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so that's just a couple things happening out of the church and in the church that's going on through the body here. It's not all just from a stage, but it's people that we are helping plant and also people here that are saying, I have an idea and a ministry and I want to get involved. So if that's you and you have something that you're wanting to do outside of the church or within the church and you say, hey, I've got an idea. God's put something on my heart. Come talk to me. You know, we want to support. It's not just about you supporting like that I'm up here preaching. It's about us supporting what God's called you to do and what God's put in your life. We're all in this together. Amen. All right. So now jumping into uh, this topic, uh, I want to go into Revelations. I actually went through the book of Re- uh, Revelations to pick the very best part of Revelations. Now, the whole Bible is good, right? Uh, but we're going to just focus on the very best part of Revelations. Who's read Revelations? Who's read it this month? Who reads it like once a day? Anybody like a big revelations like person you got like every day? Okay, so this is where a lot of the, when we're talking about end times things, this is where a lot of that stuff gets pulled out and people are doing interpretations and all these things. Uh, is There's one chapter though that I think is, uh, in my view, probably the most important chapter, even though they're all important because they're God's word. But if we don't understand this one, the rest of it doesn't make any sense and we get stressed out. Uh, And so let's jump in. Revelations 22, which is actually the last chapter and the last chapter of the Bible. And so this is about living with the end in mind. Revelations 22, 1 through 2, it says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God, and the Lamb uh, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. I'm going to stop there for a second and just say, this is the end of the book. Happen. You watched a movie and you get really, really anxious or really, really stressed out. You're like, what's going to happen? And you're like, well, this is like Mission Impossible 24 and he always lives. It's pretty sure he lives. But you're really stressed out because he's like hanging from a building or something. You're like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Like, no, the person's going to live. Or you're reading a book and somebody comes and tells you the end and you're like, oh, okay, now I don't even need to read it. Why? Because the tension's gone. Okay, well, this is the end of the story. This is the end of the book, okay? So we're going to go through this chapter. This should give you an idea of how to deal with everything else that comes up to the end as it happens, okay? Because this kind of is a spoiler, a spoiler alert, okay? So if you don't want to know what happens at the end of the earth or at the end of us walking with Christ, if you don't want to know, you can rush out right now if you want to stay in suspense and anxiety and stress. But if you want to know the end and then live the rest of your life with peace, then you can stay, okay? But I will spoil it, all right? So this is what it talks about. The tree of life is there. There's good things flowing. The healing of the nations happens. So in the end, when all things are over, 
this is a good ending, right? God brings life. He brings healing. He brings restoration. This is the, this is the final direction. So when we see all the things happening, all the things going on around us, and there's hard times. We've all been through hard times. There's some hard times now. There might be harder times in the future. But no matter what we go through, the end winds up here. There's a blessing and a good that's coming, healing and restoration that's happening, that God is bringing life. The same tree of life that was in the book of Genesis that they weren't allowed to eat from, that it is here. It's by the river and we're allowed to eat from it. Why we're allowed to spend eternity with God? Because he's died for us, because he rose again, because he's brought salvation. We're able to live and to walk with God and to actually be in his presence. Uh, Revelations 22, three through five, it says, no longer will there be any curse. No longer will, whatever curses are going on, you know, if you die and before you die, you have failed to break every generational curse off of your life because you didn't know about one, and you've been through and you've read the book and you've gone through all the stuff. You're trying, oh, is there another curse? You know, in the end, God wins and every curse is broken. That's already a done deal. You already win. You're already victorious. In the end, every curse is broken. They're all gone. The throne of God, of the Lamb, will be in the city and his servants will serve him. If you're worried a lot about politics on one side or the other, guess what? In the end, guess who rules? God, in the end, there's not an election. In the end, God finally stands back up and says, you know what, I'm in charge, okay? I'm in charge, I'm taking everything back over and it's gonna be done according to my way. And that happens, regardless of how you vote, regardless of whether or not you vote. Sometimes we vote the right person in and then find out after they're voted in even that they were the wrong person because they were putting up a false front. There's things going on behind the scenes that we didn't know about and corruption and things happening. So even when we, in our best humanity, try to do our best, we find out oftentimes that it didn't work out. But in the end, God is back on his throne, which he is now, obviously, but as far as the rulership of all things are brought back into order. All things are brought back into order underneath God's control and under his kingdom. And that's how, in the end, Things happen. This is all the end of the book of Revelations. And his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. You know, we do worry about and, and people talk about, you know, there's chips coming out that can install all of your information on them and they can keep you from buying goods, selling goods. And you read Revelations and other parts and it talks about the mark of the beast and there'll be a time when people have to take a mark and if they don't take the mark, they won't be able to eat and they won't be able to shop and they won't be able to do things. And the Bible does talk about that and our technology is getting there. So are we going to live through that? You know, I don't know, but I know that the most important mark that you can ever worry about is this one. That in the end, those who knew Christ, those who gave their life to Christ, those who said, you know what, I give my life to you, in the end, his mark is upon them. It's on their forehead, it's there. That if we walk with God, no matter what circumstance comes up, no matter what we face, no matter what happens on this earth, that in the end, what will matter is that we'll stand before him and he's going to look and say, oh, this one's mine. This one's mine. Maybe you've had failures. Maybe you've had your own problems and issues that you've created in your life. But in the end, if you can stand before him and say, you know, I didn't live a perfect life and I came out of a rough, some rough things and I had to walk through stuff and I had my ups and downs and, and days when I had full faith and days when I think I had no faith. But here I am and all my trust has been in Christ. You can get there at the end and he says, you know what? He's, the mark of Christ is on you. And then you are brought into his kingdom. It says there will be no more night. They will not need the light of the lamp or the light of the sun. Why? For the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. 
There's a time coming when there is no more darkness. And the Bible always, when there's a kind of a, a physical thing, it's also talking about really an emotional, spiritual kind of reflection. How many of you have lived through some night seasons? Right? You've gone through some night. We talked about grief last week, right? You've lived through some night. Do you know what? When we get there, at the end, there is no more night. There is no more night. Why? Because he will shine and be the light. There's no more grief. There's no more sorrow. There's no more anger. There's no more hurt that needs to be healed. Everything is healed. Everything is made whole. Everything is light. There's no more people doing secret things and manipulating and taking advantage of. Why? Because everything is in the light. There is no more darkness. There's no more shadows to hide. There's no more place to go. But that God becomes our light. Revelations 22, 6 through 7. And the angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Look, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of this prophecy written in the scrolls. No matter how things get, no matter how things look in your personal life, in our community life, how they look in the country, how they look in the world, how they look everywhere, guess what? He's coming back. He's coming back. Well, what's soon? He's coming back. Well, but, but he's coming back. He's coming back in his timing. Jesus talks about it. He says that nobody knows. So if you see people putting down dates and times and, and prophecies, Jesus said nobody knows. He's, do you know what he said? He said, I don't even know. It's for the Father to know. So why would he not tell us the day and the time if it was really important for us to know? Apparently, it's not that important for us to know. So what are we supposed to know? We're going to get into that. There are things that we should know that should affect the way that we live if the end is near. And guess what? The end for all, well, how will it be in the next 10 years, the next 50 years, the next 80 years? For everyone in this room, pretty much, the end will be probably at least in the next 70 to 80 years. That's just called life expectancy. That's just a reality. The end is near. Whether he comes or not, the end is near. It's a coming. It's coming. Some soon and some later. And some are young and think, well, yeah, but that's probably 90. Some are young and some, I was talking to somebody in my office this morning whose nephew just passed away in a car, or I think it was a car accident, 40 years old. Early 40s, it happens. We don't know. We, we know the end's coming. Okay, and so that will happen. But Jesus is coming to restore order, to bring healing, to bring reconciliation, also to bring judgment. He's coming, though. Revelations 22, 8 through 9. This is one of the things that happens. This talks to us about how we should live. He says, I, John, this is the one writing it and having the prophetic vision. He says, I'm the one who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel. So he's being told what's going to happen. And he drops down and he starts to worship the angel. But listen to this. He says, I worship the angel that had been showing them to me. But he said to me, this is what the angel now says to John, who's down worshiping. And he says, don't do that. Stop. Don't worship me. I'm a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of the scroll. And then he says, worship God. That's important because whenever there's talk about end, things coming to an end or Jesus coming back, whatever, people start throwing out their prophecies and their dates and their times and, their, and position themselves to be worshiped. 
They position themselves to be the ones that everybody comes to. I have to give my money to that person because they know. I have to give all my attention to that person because they know. I have to share all that person's stuff because they know. And that person becomes the focal point of knowledge, the focal point of, of spirituality, the focal point of everything. And I got to really focus on it. This is the one. Oh, I know, I know that's in the Bible, but this person has a more special interpretation. They're even above that. They're, this is the person to be focused on. And he's talking directly to an angel and he says, stop worshiping me. Worship God. So no matter what happens, in our lives. Our aim is to worship God. Not to worship other people, not to worship prophets, not to worship politicians who are going to save the day, but it's to worship God. We worship him. We're going to worship the one who made us. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The Bible tells us to do that. Revelations 22, 10 through 11. It says, then he told me, don't seal up the words of the prophecy of this scroll because the time is near. Now listen to this. There's four lets right here. He's going to give four lets to say, do you know what? Let's let these people do this. Let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. So at the end, if you're a wrongdoer, he says, Just continue to do wrong. If that's the life that you wanted to choose and the life that you choose is to reject God and to do it your own way, just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. The end is coming. If you're confident in that, if you are confident that you're confident that you shouldn't submit to God's authority, if you're confident that there is no God, whatever that is, but you do it your own way. When you see Jesus coming, just keep doing it the way you're doing it. If you're going to be confident, be confident to the end. Walk it out. And then face the end, the way that you wanted to live the middle in the beginning. He says, let the vile person continue to be vile. That's along the same vein. That's along the same thing. What's he saying here? He's saying, don't try to time your salvation. Don't try to live for yourself and say, well, I heard that message about the thief on the cross. And at the very end, he jumped in and got in. He says, don't try to do that. Don't try. You ever been at Chuck E. Cheese or at a fairground and there's that little lighted thing that goes around and around the circle and it looks so easy and you watch 10 other people hit the button and the light comes around, you just got to stop it on the one bulb and if you do, you get like 10 million tickets and you could buy everything. You could buy the Nintendo Switch. You could buy the big giant stuffed animal. You could buy it all. If you can just get it the light to stop in that little dot and it goes around and around and you're watching somebody push it and they miss it by one, they miss it by one, they miss it by one. You're like, oh, this is so easy. Watch out. And you wait so you can move them out of the way and then you put in a dollar and another dollar, and another dollar, and another dollar, and an hour later, you're broke. And your wife won't give you any more money. <laughs> She's like, no, hon, we're going home. I'm this close, babe, I can win you the stuffed animal. I don't want a stuffed animal. Don't try to time your salvation. Like, I'm waiting. I listen to trumpet music, and when I hear the trumpet, man, I'm dropping to my knees. I'm getting saved right before it goes up. Don't do it, because you don't know. It happened with Noah's ark. Noah was building the ark, and God had given warning. I'm going to flood the earth. I'm going to judge people for the sin. And people said, nope, nope, nope. And then when the flood came, everybody rushed the boat. We want in. But it wasn't a heart issue. It was still self. They just wanted to survive. God knows the difference between just wanting in and wanting him. 
And he's looking for people that want him. And so that's the warning. That's what he's saying. Who, he who does right, now check this out, continue to do right. And let the holy person continue to be holy. If the end is near and you're living right, you don't need to change anything. If you're living right and the end is near, you don't need to change anything. What would you do if you only had a month to live? Oh, I'd change everything. Then you should probably go ahead and change it now. Well, if I only had six months to live, I'd work less and spend more time with my family. You should probably work less and spend time with your family right now. If you're not living the way that you're prepared to die, you're living wrong. If I knew I had three weeks to live, do you know what I'd be doing? The exact same thing I'm doing right now. I'd be getting woken up at six in the morning, cuddling with a four-year-old, going down and pouring Lucky Charms, spending a little bit of time in prayer, doing my work. Before it was pastoring, it was a different work because it's the work God called me to. I used to do furniture stores. The furniture store was the work God called me to. Jared's a plumber. That's the work God called him to. Guess what? If Jesus is coming in a month, do you know where Jared should be? He shouldn't drop plumbing and run to the street and hold up a sign, Jesus is coming in 30 days because there's somebody at the plumbing place that God put him there for that is still going to be there working and it might be on the 29th day that the person says, I want to receive Jesus. When he comes back, it's not everybody drop what you're doing and run to do something new. You should be doing what you're doing because it's where God has placed you. And walking that out right to the end. Just continue to do what you do. Continue to serve God. Continue to be where you are. Continue to show up. Jesus did this after he rose from the dead. If you read the Bible, there's some stuff in there that's just hard to believe. After Jesus rose from the dead, do you know this is the Savior of the world? This is the one who created. This is from eternal before to eternal end. This is him. He comes down. He dies on the cross. He rises again. And do you know what he did? He started a fire and he made fish. And he made a little breakfast on the beach. Anybody read that? You're like reading along this story, this magnificent, like the world is, he's saving the world. All this is going on. He's risen from the dead. And then you look up and he's sitting on the shore with a fire making fish for his disciples. He just continued to do what he did before. Because what he did before was what he was supposed to be doing. Having relationship, having fellowship, pointing people to heaven, bringing reconciliation, walking it out. We should be confident that what we're living out day to day is what we're called to live out. There isn't something more significant to do. You're doing it. If you're serving God, you're loving others, and you're doing that in the place that God called you to do it, just do it well. Do it well. Revelations 22, 12 through 13, he says, look, I'm coming soon and my reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they've done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the first, the last, the beginning, and the end. He is coming back and he's bringing his reward. Now, what does that mean? Everybody gets a reward. Everybody gets a trophy. That's not what it means. The word reward here actually means wages. That's the actual root word is wages, what they've earned. We don't earn our salvation. We get that through Christ. But there is a reward. The Bible even talks about believers getting different rewards in heaven. We all get in, but I don't know. Hey, the place is perfect. It's amazing. What do I care about a reward? I don't know. Somehow, God rewards for things that we've done. 
But wages also applies biblically to sin, right? The wages of sin is death. The free gift of God is eternal life. That there is wages that when we come to the end, we're going to see, and God comes, that you know what? The people that are, are right now working hard for the wages of sin, they're going to receive it. And do you know what? That should free you from having to be the judge, from having to worry about how do they get away with that. They don't. When will they pay for that? They will. We shouldn't rejoice in that. Praise God for the cross and that everyone's welcome. But there is a wage and it is being stored. And it will be paid. There's a reward that will come both for the wicked and for the good. And so we can live free of that knowing that God will set things in order. That God will have justice and pray that as, as, as God does that, he's willing that none should perish. That everyone should have eternal life. And that's why we share our faith. And that's why we believe. And that's why we love. I know what women are. There's a story shared about somebody who was able to lead both of their parents to Jesus towards the end of their lives. And lead them to Jesus and see them get saved, even though they had been, you know, not great parents and a lot of bad things had happened. And somebody else that had done some bad things is in prison right now, and they're praying that they get to lead them to Jesus someday. That's the heart we're supposed to have. But at the same time, we don't have to worry if some justice slips through the cracks, because it won't. God knows. And he's got those things in his own hands. Revelations 22, 14 to 15. Blessed are those who wash, who's, uh, who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates and into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, sexual uh, immorality, the murderers, idolaters, everyone who loves and practices falsehood, everyone who basically worships themselves, everyone who doesn't want God, everyone who's rejecting that, everyone who wants to do it their own way, everyone who wants to live in sin, everyone that wants to do these things. But if you want to come into heaven, if when, when God comes back, when the end is here, you come through washing your robes. Well, how do you do that? We wash our robes through the blood of Jesus, that he's died, that he's paid for our sins, that he's brought us into forgiveness. Jesus tells a, a parable about a banquet, and everybody gets invited to the banquet, but one guy comes in, and they offer him the robe, and he's like, no, I got my own clothes. And they find him, and they throw him out. They're like, you're invited to be here, but it's got to be here underneath our terms. You've got to be here underneath this rope. We're all invited in, but we've got to come through the cross because the, the penalty for sin has to be paid. It was paid through Jesus. If we don't want to accept that payment, then we have to pay it ourselves. It's got to be paid. There has to be justice. If God is truly loving, he has to also be just. And so justice has to come, but it will. But those who come through the cross, we can wash our robes and we can be in. That happens at the end. Revelation 22, 16 to 7. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. What, what's the qualifications? Just thirst. The qualification to come to God is just that you want him. It's just that you want him. It's just that you say, I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. I need you. I want you. You don't have to work up to it. 
You don't have to like prove yourself. You don't have to get things right first. You don't have to come in fixed. You just come. But it's important here, it says the spirit, which is talking about God, God is spirit. The Holy Spirit says the spirit, and then who? The bride. Who's the bride? The church. Biblically, God's bride is the church. We are his bride. The spirit and the bride say come, which means our responsibility going to the end, whether we see him come back in our lifetime or not, our responsibility going to our end or until its end is to do what he's doing. To tell people that are hungry and thirsty and hurting and living outside of God's plan for their life, unreconciled to God, to tell them, come, come, come. If you're thirsty, come. If you're weary, come. If it's heavy, come. If you're broken, come. Our job is to invite. It's not to determine who goes. It's not to judge everyone that we think needs the judgment because he's coming to do that. It's not to fix everyone because he heals the nations. He brings the restoration. He does these things. Our job is to walk them and to continue to say, come, come. Everyone who's thirsty, let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life to come. I think knowing the end of the story is one of the blessings that we receive from heaven. When he talks about opening up the windows of heaven and pouring out blessing, knowing the end of the story is a huge blessing. Imagine living life having no idea how it turns out. I mean, literally. Like, we don't know how the next election is going to turn out. We don't know how economy is going to turn out. There's things we don't know how they're going to turn out. But imagine living your life, your whole life, literally not knowing how does all of this turn out. When I die, I don't know what's going to happen. When my loved one died, I don't know what happened to them. I don't know what's going to go on in the world. I don't know what's going to go on in eternity. I don't know. We have this crazy blessing of knowing that everything turns out the way that God intends it to turn out. Full of his life, full of his blessing, full of his care, the healing of nations, restoration. That all these things happen. Tree of life, all these things are poured in. And so living with the end in mind doesn't mean ignoring realities. There's realities going on. There's things that we should do. There's things that we should do in voting. There's things that we should do in our neighborhoods. There's things that we should do with people that don't have any food. There's things that we should do with people that have been through abuse and trying to help them find healing. There's, there's all types of things that we can do, but we can do them underneath the peace of God, knowing that even in our sometimes inability to get things right, that in the end it's going to be made right. And we just have to do our part. It's very similar. I'm going to close on this. It's very similar to making mac and cheese with my four-year-old. It doesn't matter how bad she is at it. Or her other friends when they come to help. Because I'm there. And at the end of the day, when half of the powder got dumped on the floor... The other half got mixed with the milk and then eaten with the spoon. Do what's needed to get this done. But I still want her participation in the process. Our job is to participate in the process of God throughout our lifetime, but at the same time to trust that no matter how it's working out with our hands involved, that he is involved and he's going to make it right according to his will. Amen.
All right, let's bow our heads. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, God, that you have revealed, Lord, the end of the story. Lord, that we can trust you, God, that we can walk with you. Lord, that we know, God, that you are good and that you're working all things for our good. Father, I pray, Lord, that if there's anybody here, Lord, who has never made that decision, Lord, to receive Jesus, receive his work on the cross, Lord, to wear his robe of righteousness. God, I pray that you'd move on their heart right now, Lord, and just even in their own time with you, God, that they would just surrender to you right now. Lord, that they would give their life to you. Lord, give their life, Lord, give the the bad, the old, give the present, give all the things they've been working so hard on. Lord, as we sing today, Lord, that they would just surrender all to you. Lord, and receive you, God, that they could be, like Ben said, Lord, born again on the 22nd. Lord, I thank you for that, God. Lord, that just as Callie said, Lord, that you could break every chain in their life. Lord, for those that are already following you, those that already know you and are walking with you, God, I pray for an incredible peace. Lord, that you are in control, that your plan prevails. And Lord, within that peace, God, that they would have wisdom on how to interact in where you've placed them. If it's in a work environment, if it's in a school environment, if it's in a political environment, or wherever it is, God, that they would have peace, Lord, and then they would be able to live out your purpose. Lord, I thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, love you guys. Thanks for being here. Uh, we do have some snacks and things down across the hallway. Stick around and make a friend. We do this together, man. Life is a journey. Life is a journey. You might be doing great today and rushing out, but there might be somebody that needs you to stop and give them a hug and say hi to them because they're going through something. You won't know that until you stop. So stick around, make a friend, and have some community. the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.